Last summer, my wife and I checked off one more item on the bucket list. We made a trip to the Grand Canyon. I'm sure it's on some of your lists, and if it is, you really should go. It is quite literally breathtaking. I don't know that it was always on my bucket list, but I do know that it was on there from at least 1991. And the reason I know the year is because that's the year the movie came out called Grand Canyon. It stars Kevin Kline, Mary McDonald, Danny Glover. There's a little cameo by Steve Martin. And it's not about the Grand Canyon per se. It's set in LA. And a lot of lives are kind of crisscrossing and it is a mess. Mac, white, wealthy, drives a Lexus, has season tickets to the Lakers game, is leaving the game when he decides he needs to take a shortcut. You know, the traffic's bad. So he goes through this part of town and his Lexus shuts down and it looks like not just his car but he might die because a gang comes up and begins to harass him. And that's when Simon, the black tow truck driver, pulls up and it looks like he might be rescued, but even that doesn't go so well. Simon has this conversation with the leader of the gang, and he says, man, I know you don't know this, but this ain't the way it's supposed to be. Things are supposed to be different from this. This is not how things are supposed to be, which is so true of about every aspect of the movie. It's just a mess. In the poorer part of town, little girls play with crime scene tape as if it were a jump rope, and mothers wash blood off of sidewalks as if it were chalk. And even where Mac and his wife live, there is trouble. Mac flirts with, then sleeps with his secretary. His wife, whose biological clock is ticking and their son is growing and about to leave, well, she's out for a jog and finds an abandoned baby. It's just this incredible mess of stuff. Their friend who makes senseless, violent movies gets shot and decides, I'm not going to do that anymore, and then he goes back to doing it anyway. Early in the movie, when the two of them talk their way out from the gang and, and make it to a gas station where he can get his car fixed, they're sitting on the curbside, and they're just numb with all of the despair of that moment and the world. And that's when Simon, the tow truck driver, says, did you ever see the Grand Canyon? And he, no, no. He goes, you got to go. It, it's so big and everything else becomes small. And, and it's like it's still, it's still developing. It's still going on. You, you got to go see the Grand Canyon. At the end of the movie, the two families have become friends and they load up in the van in LA and they drive out to the Grand Canyon. And when they get out, they stretch their legs and they make their way to the edge and the camera pans out over the canyon and Simon says, so what do you think? And Mac kind of whispers, I think it's not all bad. I knew that when we went last summer, that one of the first things I would do when I stood on the edge was to rehearse that scene in my head, that I would offer up to God, it's not all bad, this is so beautiful. 
But then again, I was on vacation. Of course it wasn't all bad. The next day we would drive to Sedona and have margaritas on a sun-drenched porch. It's not all bad. In his book on the Lord's Prayer, the New Testament scholar John Dominic Crossan cites two philosophers, one in the middle of the second century who said, generally speaking, I think society is getting better. Progress. As Crossan puts it, he thought the wine glass of history was half full. A couple hundred years later, another philosopher said, I don't think so. Looks to me like it's downhill from here. The wine glass is half empty at best. Now this is where if it were a TV show and you were a live audience, you would all get your clicker out and you would vote. Do you think the world's getting better or worse? The Judeo-Christian tradition affirms that it is not all bad. And it affirms it's not all good either. That's where we live, in between. The Jewish prayer that we call the Lord's Prayer that our Lord gave his followers is only one of the prayers that Jews prayed. The, the book of Psalms is part hymn book, but also part prayer book. And there are psalms in there, prayers in there of praise and thanksgiving because it's not all bad. But there are many more prayers in there of lament and despair because it's not all good. The Lord's Prayer, the one we look at this day, if it has to be on a calendar in a Christian bookstore, please no pictures of kittens or puppies or babies up above because it really should be more like refugee lines or soup kitchens. It, it, this is a prayer for when the wine glass has been shattered on the floor and every drop spilled. This is a prayer of despair. Matthew, who tells the story of Jesus going up the Sermon on the Mount, giving that, and in the middle teaching us this prayer, he does not sugarcoat it. We're only a couple of pages in, and already the birth of Jesus, it, it results in an assassination attempt, Herod slaughtering the babies in Bethlehem. And when Jesus goes up the mount to give this sermon and this prayer, he looks out on hopeless and hungry and outcast, the very edge of society. And by the time Matthew writes this gospel, the temple has been destroyed by the Romans, laid waste. That's their 9-11 to the third power, the 10th power, whatever it is. It, it's devastating. There was an ancient Christian document called the Didache that said you should pray this prayer three times a day, morning, noon, and night. I think that's good advice, except I would say more like 5, 6, and 10, or whenever it is you get your news. You know, the old days it was 5, 6, and 10. Now we have smartphones, and we, we're, we're always getting the news. You need this prayer to make it through the news. Whether you call yourself spiritual or religious, whether you recite this thing by word every day, or you just sort of pray as you feel, this is your prayer. In fact, 
just before the prayer, I don't know if you caught this little phrase, Jesus says, pray then in this way. You don't have to pray it exactly like this, but in the spirit of this, as this unfolds, this, this is a model for how to pray. On the next two Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. down in the social hall, I'm going to lead a study of the Lord's Prayer. And we'll go into it in more depth. But the one thing that to me stands out above everything else is not just what it says, but the way it says it. It's the way what it says is arranged. And, and the good news is, it's really obvious even in the English. You don't have to know Greek to get it. Now, you do have to read close, but it's really simple. It starts with all those thy petitions, the King James, right? They're, they're addressed to God, and they're about God. God's name, God's kingdom, God's will. And in the second half, it's the us petitions. Give us bread, and forgive us, and deliver us. God and us, God and us. But in between is what I think is the key to the Lord's Prayer. It's maybe the bridge, whatever you want to call it. It's that little phrase, on earth as it is in heaven, except that's the way it reads in English, and this is where you got to have the Greek, because I don't know why they didn't translate it this way, because in Greek it says this, as it is in heaven, let it be on earth. It starts with heaven, just the way the prayer does. In other words, it invites us to look up to the heavens first to see what goes on there so that we might pray for that to happen down here. Make sense? So, in other words, in the world of all that stuff that happens, what is it that doesn't correspond to the way it's supposed to be in heaven? Do you remember that passage in the book of Revelation? I know some of you are allergic to the book of Revelation. You break out in hives or whatever. But near the end, there's this beautiful passage. It describes heaven like this. There'll be no more tears. There'll be no more mourning. No more pain. No more pain. No more death. That's the vision of heaven. So what is that like? Well, I think about my friend Daryl Burton who came to Faith Pub a month or so ago who was falsely accused and found guilty of, of murder and was in prison for 24 years for something he didn't do. And even when he got out, life was not easy. That's not the way it is in heaven. And if that's not the way it is in heaven, then it's not supposed to be like that down here. That's how this prayer works. I don't know if you remember the old bit that Jerry Seinfeld did on greeting cards, how you're, you're really buying somebody else's words. And, and it's a funny little bit. And he, what he says is that you know how you feel about the person, birthday, whatever it is, but you just don't have the words. And so you look through the, and you go, oh my gosh, that's, that's what I really wanted to say. That's the way this prayer works. You, you, you encounter something and you feel it and you, you, there's something you want to say, but you don't know how to say it. That's where this prayer comes in. And these words work just fine. As it is in heaven, so be it on earth. So, you know, you're, you're driving down the highway 70 miles an hour, maybe faster. I don't know how you drive. And, and then all of a sudden it's boom, bumper to bumper, right? And everybody's getting over. And you can see the flashing lights. It's not good. And you idle past. 
and there's the wreckage and a body laid out. You're not sure alive or not. And you don't have the words. These will do just fine. Oh God, as it is in heaven, let it be on earth. This is not the way it's supposed to be. I don't know how you get your news. There's so many ways. It's available all the time. I mean, for me, number one is national public radio. And so it's when I drive, I, I could just drive a 10-minute little errand. And in the 10 minutes, I can become overwhelmed with despair. I would vote, click, it's getting worse, it's getting worse. I was going to make a list I was going to catalog all of the things that are happening. I couldn't keep up. I mean, I was going to start with things recent, like the flooding in the Midwest and in Mozambique, as well as things that we've already forgotten. You know, we had a group in, in Puerto Rico just this last week recovering from Hurricane Maria, and those are only water-related things. I couldn't keep up. It was overwhelming. And then I thought, I don't need a list. You, you know what is on your heart, what is breaking your heart. You can plug that in. Just take a moment. It, it could be national, international. It could be very personal. It could be in your family. But I invite you to, to just hold that in your hands. If not literally, then figuratively, to hold that in your hands whatever it is that is breaking your heart, because we'll do something with it in just a minute. Meanwhile, let me tell you about one thing among all the things that is breaking my heart. Most weekdays, I go to the Starbucks near my house to work before coming in. I wait for the rush hour to be over, and then I come in. And so at the Starbucks, I sip my hot tea, I read, I study, I pray, I send a few emails, that kind of stuff. And almost every time, there is this one guy camped out in the corner. And he is clearly living on the edge. I mean, he's got his worldly possessions in a sack. He has a sleeping bag. He's always got the same clothes on. And you've seen this scene. But let me add one detail. He talks to somebody you can't see. And they talk back. And sometimes he, he talks to the wall. He's right there in the corner and he talks to the wall. And sometimes it's very contentious, whatever they're saying. And sometimes this week it was funny. They actually, he laughed. I mean, something was funny, but mostly he is deeply troubled. And every time I pack up my stuff to leave and walk past him, we have this ritual of kind of nodding each other as if we know each other, like, hey, Good to see you. Have a good day. We don't say a word. We just nod. But in my head, I'm always thinking these words. Oh, God, as it is in heaven, let it be for this man on earth. Do you have something? Whatever you have in your head, whatever is breaking your heart, I invite all of us to collectively lift it to God as we pray that prayer one more time. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.